Hello and welcome back to the I Have No Mouth But I Must Watch The Matrix podcast. I am one of your hosts, uh, Jesse, and with me today is your other host, Matthew. Say hi, Matthew. Hi. And, and with us today is another Matt. It's Matt, aka Storm again. How are you doing, Matt? Good. How are you? Glad to be on your other podcast, Jesse. I've yes. now made the rounds. Don't worry. When uh, the other ones that I have cooking in my brain launch, I will be pulling you because I think you will work very well for those two. Happy to do it. I'm always happy to guest on other people's shows and annoy them with my uh, endless knowledge of inane things. Uh, oh, you've come to the right place because I love to be annoyed. And also, like, I think half of our show is us going off the movie topic and just talking about things that we think about while we're watching the movie, um, like just different other movies. And like, this reminded me of this or like last episode, we're like, I will not. We Maddie and uh, and, and uh, Matthew are like uh, berserk. And I'm like, yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which which I've been reading the conviction arc of Berserk and Maddie is 100% correct. It's the conviction arc of Berserk is essentially the devils and it's kind of blowing my mind. So. so we watched The Matrix and that's kind of a lie though because I have had a very chaotic couple weeks and I didn't get to watch it, but I did watch it in the last six months. So I'm going to still count it. Did Were you guys both able to rewatch The Matrix too? Not the second Matrix, but the Matrix, the movie. <laughs> Crap, I watched the wrong one. No, uh, yes, I was able to. I actually watched it twice. So you watched it for me. Thank you. Yes. I got your back, uh, Jesse. I have watched it very recently uh, in anticipation both for the new film that came out not that long ago, but also just as an excuse to see it because it's quickly become a favorite movie, even though it didn't start out as a favorite movie. And so... Uh, so yeah, I have watched it recently. Did I watch it in the last two weeks? I did not, but I pro- I promise it is fresh in my brain. Yeah, I think I last six months kind of for me. And I think that's pretty fresh, even though I watched a lot of movies in between. I still remember quite a bit. Um, I know for me, when I first saw The Matrix, it was like on DVD and my dad's like, I want to watch this cool new sci-fi I keep hearing about. You, my young child, you may watch it with me. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I definitely watched the first two. And I remember we tried to watch the third one and I couldn't handle the tension as a child and like was like losing it. So my dad's like, well, we can just turn this off because I don't understand it. <laughs> um, but I haven't watched it since. So going back and watching it in lead up to the new one, I was like, did the Wachowski sisters make a perfect movie? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I literally think, like, other than maybe special effects that age poorly, which is going to happen with everything that has any kind of special effects that aren't, like, super really tight practical effects, this might be one of the best sci-fi movies ever made. Yeah, it's one of those movies, and the reason I had suggested it for us to talk about it, that when I first saw it, I, I like you, saw it on DVD. I saw it on DVD before the sequels had been announced, and then I watched the sequels in the theaters, which were uh, underwhelming comparatively, though I am in the camp that they're not as bad as people make them out to be. I'm with you um, in that camp, by the way. <laughs> but um, it wasn't until very recently so it must have been maybe a month before the new movie came out um the one of the amcs in manhattan in new york where i live was showing it on in imax and i had never seen the first movie in theaters i had only seen it on dvd and i was like i have to go to the screening 
I want to see this movie on the big screen and IMAX as it was meant to be. Um, I was very lucky to see it with a friend of mine, uh, one Patrick H. Willems, as the internet knows him, uh, not been quiet on any level about how much he loves these movies. And so I was excited to go get to see this with a bunch of friends who are also film nerds. And like I walked out of that IMAX showing with my mouth on the ground, like dragging my jaw out of the theater. Like I was just absolutely blown away. And thought the same thing you just said, Jesse. I, after I was done watching it in that experience, I was like, this movie is perfect. No notes, no downtime, no boredom. Like, this is a perfect movie with a perfect soundtrack. And I think it's now one of my favorite movies of all time. And so when you were asking me about what movie to talk about, I was like, well, let's let's talk about that one. Because I'm recently, beca- it's recently become a favorite, which is interesting because I can't think of other movies that's happened with. They're either my favorite from the moment I've seen them or, you know, like when they first came out, not like a delayed reaction, so to speak. What was your experience watching this for the first time, Matthew, back in the day? Because I assume that you also probably watched it either in theaters or on DVD after it came out. Because this was I, definitely I, a big I, DVD seller. Yes, I, I did see it in the theater and um, it's kind of, it's, I'm coming at this from a completely different camp. I absolutely thought this movie was completely overrated when I first saw it. Not for any reasons that are, that are, I don't, I, I can't, I, I never thought this movie was bad. I never really liked it. Um, and I've said on this show a couple of times that I need to, uh, find a way to cure my cranial rectosis and just sort of get over myself and revisit this matrix, revisit the matrix with more of a, more of an open, an open mind and open heart. But the one thing that struck me originally is I think a lot of, a lot of um, having a favorite anything is when you experience it as well as like the chemistry surrounding that. I'm the way I remember this and I could be 100% wrong. Like I know the movie Dark City came mm-hmm. out the year before The Matrix. And uh, when I watched Dark City, I was the insufferable a-hole going, y'all, you should go see this. This is really, this is really cool. And when I watched The Matrix with, you know, more people because people knew who Keanu Reeves is, and, uh, they, they sort of knew the players and they had a insight into the soundtrack because uh, the industrial techno was kind of big where I was uh, at that time. So I went to that, I went to Dark City in an empty theater uh, within months of seeing The Matrix in a packed, you know, multiplex. And the folks I went with to to The Matrix loved it. You know, Keanu Reeves, so hot. Morpheus, so awesome. Hugo Weaving, why is the businessman such a badass? Um, you know, things, things of that nature. And I'm like, so I see what's going on here. And like, I think I, at the time I was like, dark city kind of did this better. I still think that today. Um, but also like I, I pulled a lot more out of this viewing just because a it's been 20 plus years and I've learned you know, through experience in the world and experiencing other media as well as just movies in general. Um, and I, I made it a point to get over myself this time out. So while I was uh, definitely drunk on the haterade before, like I'm, I'm significantly less now. And, and I do think this is 
absolutely a wonderful entertaining film <laughs> and i was like okay i see a lot more now than i did before and because i'm seeing all that like the the wachowskis they 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 might have did they might have done a they might have done kind of a masterpiece here um i'm also of the opinion that uh if either of you have ever seen the movie bound it's on uh, the list i think yeah, that i have is not the, that is the better Wachowski film for me. Like I prefer that film to this, um, but I'm not going to be the curmudgeonly old man going, ah, forget the matrix. Just watch Fritz Lang's Metropolis because it's old. Um, <laughs> you know, things like that. It's, it's funny too, to think about when the matrix came out, I was, this is going to make you feel Matthew. I'm sorry. Um, I was trying to do the math five when the matrix Ugh. came out. <laughs> i was i was quite young when the matrix came out uh-huh. um but looking back on it as someone who loves movies is the year 1999 is such a important year for movies and also a year that like i don't think we'll ever see again with the rise of blockbusters being so expensive and uh small productions being so exhausting to make in a lot of ways like if you look at most a24 films they're not just like exhausting to create and film but they're exhausting to watch because they're so heavy with emotions and such like that there's no middle popcorn movie except for streaming movies and uh we could have a debate if there are very uh good streaming movies like that but it is funny to see look at the movies came out in 1999 it's like Man, it's like everything. Everything came out that year, and still there was room for more to come out the next year and change the game again. But like, I think Lord of the Rings was two thousand one, but still, like, those were all still yet to come. And yet, yeah. nineteen ninety nine had so much to it. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine was a cool year. Yeah, but uh, this is about the Matrix, not about the year nineteen ninety nine. So or the Prince song or the Prince song. But um, <laughs> I feel like they could have fit a Prince song in this movie, and it would have worked. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like not using 1990. I mean, they never explicitly say what year when they're in the matrix, what year it's supposed to be replicating. But like, I feel like 1999 in 1999 would have been a little on the nose. Oh, sure. I, I think there's uh, something to be said about how encapsulated this movie is in and on itself. Like the sequels, I think, add some really cool elements to the world and the lore, but they just don't really they never close the loop in a satisfying way like this first one does. Right. And I think there's something to be said too about a movie that has one idea and then they're like, make more of that. And how far can you stretch that idea? Um, And I think this first movie really exhausted a lot of those lanes because they didn't know if they, maybe, maybe they did. I don't know. But I I feel like at the time that you probably didn't know this was going to be such a huge hit because it's so heady in a lot of ways, but, it's I think that's what helps make it a perfect movie because it's so fleshed out because they are like, give it all. We have to give it all in this one go. Yeah, I think it's clear if you look at the first movie versus the second and third and even the fourth, the first movie is a complete story. It closes the loop on itself. It, if it never got a sequel, I don't think anyone would have been up in arms requesting one. But I think with what was added in the second and third movies, I agree. I think I like, the, you know, I like the world building. And though sometimes the movies fall short, I think they're ultimately good for the world uh, that they were building. I think the fourth movie closes that loop again. 
you know, yeah. and does it in a really interesting way. But like what I love about this movie versus the rest of the franchise is that this is this is standalone. You could show this to someone and then tell them there's nothing else and they would believe you. Like as far as the way this movie kind of resolves itself, that there's just an assumption that he just goes on more adventures. It's sort of kind of the same way. And this was of the same era that, you know, it's on the comedy side, but the Men in Black movie didn't ended in a way that didn't require sequels. They ended up making yeah, them anyway. Yeah. And like, I think it's this idea of like hero saves the day hero goes on to have new adventures. And then it's kind of an ellipses. And Mm -hmm. this movie was set up to do that. And then they added more, which, you know, kind of kills that a little bit, but does add other things in its place. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you brought up the, the, the the newest installment, because I was actually going to ask about that. I'm not seeing it. And, um, this is probably the most interested I've been in experiencing um, Reloaded and was it, was it Revolutions? Yes. Was that the third one? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then I've, I would probably, you know, just cap all that off with Resurrections. Um, like I had seen the other two, but not in a, any sort of active way. Like when I worked at, I worked at Tower Records here in Philly and in the video department and when those movies came out on dvd of course we were playing them non-stop so i'd be like oh look oh look keanu reeves is doing his thing cool i have to put these dvds away <laughs> like, and, and, <laughs> and you know i kind of got pieces of the plot through that at the time and uh but i've never actually sat down and, and watched them i mean and they I, are I, go ahead okay I was just going to say, they're all on HBO Max, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were at least at one point. And um, I think they're all worth watching. I think that the fourth one has a lot more to say than the second and third. Yeah. But I don't okay. think you could watch the fourth one without seeing the whole story. Yeah. Um, okay. But but also, I think you're actually, Matthew, in the best position to enjoy the fourth one. Because a lot of people's complaints about the fourth one, although I'm not one of them, is that it was too much up its own ass in a way like because it was trying to be meta and it was doing something it was treading some familiar ground and all of that and like all the people i know who love it love it because it's a love story it, it it continues the narrative of um trinity and neo and it's okay. a love story and so like for me that's why i really enjoyed it but i also just think it had a lot to say whereas the second and third movies were second and third movies they were mm-hmm. expanding the lore expanding the world adding more characters which is not necessarily a bad thing but it wasn't as focused as i feel like the first movie was and the fourth one goes back to that focus okay now to ask another question uh while we're here what are either of your thoughts on the animatrix i did not watch the animatrix that was one of the ones that slipped past me it's excellent i mean it's if you liked star wars visions if you liked um you know if you like collections of animatics for other franchises the i think the boys did one recently like okay it's one of those but they're all stories that broaden the world some of them are much harder to watch now just because of the kind of truth telling they're doing that they don't even quite realize they're doing um (laughs) uh, especially when because that one of the animatics is about why the machines fought back like it shows the early days of the robots and like how we treated them and as you can imagine the humans treated them poorly uh i know surprise surprise (laughs) but like i i don't think it's required watching in the same way that like of course the video game the enter the matrix and matrix online are both 
also incorporated into the narrative of the matrix. They are key to the narrative. I don't think you're absolutely missing anything without them. Like, I mean, your biggest question is that obviously Lawrence Fishburne is not in the fourth movie. Right. Um, but they do tell you why he, he's not around and what happened to him. Um, not in specific detail, but they do mention it. So okay. like, I think the Animatrix is great if you want to know more about the world. Uh, I don't okay. think it's required watching to understand the basic, the, the full, four full movies in the same way that like Kingdom Hearts, you can understand the broad strokes just playing the numbered entries, especially mm-hmm. since the fourth, the third one, getting ahead of myself, the third one fills in a lot of gaps with their extra content. But like that said, it's a richer experience if you experience all of it. Okay. Yeah. One of my co-hosts on another podcast is very into Kingdom Hearts and and tends to point it out to me every so often. (laughs) I'm like, yes, I've played one and two and I think I'm good. (laughs) Um, Uh, I I think one of these things that make this movie special to me that I didn't realize when I first saw it and for sure didn't until very recently is the queer, the queerness of this movie, how queer the characters are, and how much sexuality and gender identity plays into this, and especially, of course, the sequels. Um, mm-hmm. And like, because the Wachowskis had not come out as trans, bef- you know, for this movie, I believe right. it was between this and the second one, but I don't remember off the top of my head. But like, I've recently also gone on my own gender and sexuality journey. And so like revisiting these movies now and seeing the content there, I'm like, oh, they are struggling with things that are super apparent now that I would have never guessed back in the 90s when I first watched them. Yeah, I, I, that's, yeah. One of, that's one of the things that watching it this time around, um, this last time I kind of like had read the articles about how The Matrix was basically their transition story in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But also watching it, I think this is why it works so well compared to other movies like it. Um is that not only is it trying to tell a story about people finding their identity when they've been told they've been one thing their entire life, but also marrying that perfectly, like like really perfectly with the old concept of the hero's journey, like mm-hmm. the, the call to action, the call to the quest, the adventure, the denial, et cetera, et cetera. Like they, were, they found a way to marry modern storytelling when it comes to the the queer, the queer journey the gender identity journey with the hero's journey and blending them so seamlessly that a lot of people didn't really pick it up until they watched it a third fourth fifth time and i think that's what makes this movie stand out and be special compared to all the other sci-fi movies that also told the very similar plots is like the identity part of it is so key and it makes it so fresh even today yeah and i mean also something that i can say now that i don't know that i could have even articulated in 1999 is that this movie like the mummy uh represents my sexuality on a scale i mean between keanu reeves carrie ann moss and even hugo weaving and Lawrence fishburne honestly like the whole the whole main cast is just like they're all hot they're all wearing leather it's like oh, this does things for me. I didn't realize it had probably always done for me. Um, and like seeing the later movies more recently also like reaffirmed that. And it's like, it's not subtle about it either. Uh, you know, Carrie Ann Moss is you and her character of Trinity is using her sexuality often to like, you know, is just, it's a part of who she is. 
And I think it's just, it was the earliest movie I can remember where I took note of things like that and of characters like that and empowered characters like that. Yeah, I, I, I think there's also the part of this that maybe has aged differently now that we're, we're so online. And I think that's why Matrix 4 is so much fun because it like addresses the jump in technology, but still mm-hmm. stays within the Matrix is it made technology this mysterious thing, this thing that scared a lot of people, um, the reality that a lot of people thought it would be <laughs> in the future. Um, yep. Like, I don't know when Second Life came out, but this is basically Second Life, the movie in a lot of ways. Like, this is what people sure. like imagine that idea could be. Um, there's definitely probably people who saw The Matrix being like, man, in 20 years, that's going to be real life. And in a lot of ways, not like in the the root like the literal literal sense but in a lot of ways that is what technology is now we have uh random faceless it's a different goons. flavor of dystopia <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. we have we have random faceless goons attacking people online because they're different and stuff like that like we have that kind of stuff it's just this is an interesting if you go back to it, it's like this is technology in a physical sense while we still have to deal with it kind of in a metaphysical sense in a lot of ways for the record, also, Second Life came out in 2003. So, yeah, uh, definitely probably saw the Matrix. Went, oh, what if I actually made that thing? That would be so bad, which is horrifying on a different level. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew that was going to go off the rails fast? Apparently, the Wachowskis did. Apparently. Um, <clears throat> so, I when you were, um, Jesse, when you were talking about mm-hmm. how um, the entire human population in this movie is kind of told what they are, without realizing they could be something else i so i've been re- <laughs> i've been reading this book called the big picture which is a very high which is a very big brain science trying to explain the origin of the universe and as i think about when neo is uh first pulled out of the pod and you know he's talking about how his eyes hurt and how his He's being told his muscles have atrophied and all that because he's never actually used them. I was thinking about a, a chapter in this book called, is it okay to doubt everything? And it's talking about uh, like a, a philosopher, just exercise of like trying to doubt everything around you that is not you. And it's, it's also like traces back to uh, Rene Descartes you know, saying, I think therefore I am so I can verify that. But they would also, the philosophers, I think they were called, um, they were sort of people who followed the the philosophy of uh, an Austrian named uh, Wittgenstein. They would basically try and doubt everything down to like the chair they're sitting on. Like, cause that could be, they're talking about that could be fabricated by a, a demon we can't see. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, they were just talking about the Matrix. And I'm like, huh. And experiencing, like, slowly experiencing this book, it's, it's very dense. And while it's written very well, it's it goes a whole slew of other places than just existential philosophy like that. But I, I was immediately drawn to the, basically the scene from the red pill, blue pill to where Neo is pulled onto the Nebuchadnezzar for the first time and trying to reconcile everything he knows being not what it seems. Yeah. Um, And that's why 
uh, posted in our little chat that like, hey, I have to step away. I wanted to get that and I wanted to look at that just so I could, you know, make sure I was uh, referencing it correctly. So I apologize for stepping away. Oh, you're good. Um, And uh, and like because of experiencing that, like I started to see uh, a a few layers deeper than uh, than what I had seen before and and found this I found upcoming away with a lot of that way more reward from this time out and it's probably why i'm more interested in watching the sequels now and i think i i think i may have actually i couldn't i wouldn't remember it just because it didn't really sink in at the time but i think i may have actually seen the animatrix at some point but that's a that's a different discussion um but yeah sorry to interject with that hope i didn't derail things too much no i think that's a really good and interesting point to pull pull out i think another reason the matrix is still so popular in circles like ours 20 years later is because the restlessness of basically what we are told we have to do is becoming more and more real and the the threat of people like taking away the right to be independent and the rights to express who we are in any way is becoming scarier and scarier so the matrix becomes just continuously more and more relevant and it's it's weird it's one of those things like i don't know if when they were making it they were like i wish this wasn't relevant in 20 years like i feel like there's our movies like that like people mm-hmm. are like man i'm just making this movie to explain how much this concept sucks i really hope that no one cares about this movie in 30 years so we so we're past this and now here we are where it's it's very much like that still it's very scary that the world is basically trying to grab us and reprogram us in a lot of ways yeah, yeah i i don't believe for a minute that the Wachowskis didn't anticipate that future. I feel like they in some way saw it even way back then. Um, But it's definitely more apparent now and why I think the fourth movie had to go in the direction it did because of where we are now versus where we were when this movie first came out. And I think the philosophical side of it that you brought up, Matthew, I think is important. I think it's what makes this movie work. If you look at it on a surface level of just like smashing bodies and, and, and action scenes, it's, it's, it's interesting, but it's not, it's not that interesting. It's the narrative, it's the emotion and it's the philosophy that makes this movie interesting and the subsequent movies as well. Um, mm-hmm. Even when the writing isn't at its strongest, que- the questioning it does, the questions it asks, the things the characters do are, are all interesting. I mean, I think still one of my favorite things about this movie is how Hugo Weaving chews every scene that he is in, the way he speaks in this film, continues to in the later films, but especially in this film, it's just so full of purpose. It's so intricate. And it's it. There's a level of charisma there, and and whatnot that pulls me in. That every time you hang on every word that Agent Smith says because of the way he talks, especially mm-hmm. the interrogation scene, which I argue is one of the best written scenes and performances probably in movie history. Like every like the the moment of getting real and taking out the earpiece, and then how he talks to Morpheus and talks down to Morpheus and pauses longer and all of that. It's, 
I have no idea if that was Hugo Weaving's choice or that was how the Wachowskis wanted it all along. But regardless of how we got there, it's easily one of the best performances in the whole film. And it's a film full of incredible performances. But Mm -hmm. like for me, Agent Smith will always stand out just because of how purposeful every word he speaks is. I think the concept of the agent just in general um, came away striking me in in a lot of different ways. specifically uh, I, I would definitely dovetail on that scene because that is the scene where i'm like oh this is even weirder than this is even weirder than it presents because it, it presents that robots have been blinding us and we've just been sort of going about business providing energy but then you find out even the robots hate it. it's like what like uh and and, and i just as someone who, before I watched this movie for this, I could take or la- take or leave Hugo Weaving, but experiencing that particular scene now, which is like, oh, wait a minute, he is kind of the real deal, huh? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. You guys ever went, well, I don't know if this is just a weird quirk of mine, but when you watch this movie, do you ever think about iRobot? A little bit, yeah. I mean, iRobot was trying to make a similar kind of impact, I feel. And in some ways does. I don't think that iRobot is a bad movie, but it's definitely like Will Smith's big sci-fi swing. And he'll continue yeah. to take big sci-fi swings for a while. But like, mm-hmm. I, I rewatched iRobot not that long ago. I mean, it's probably still a while ago, but relatively to when it came out. And I feel like it, it does some really interesting things. And it's, of course, based on a short a short story by as uh, Isaac Asimov anyway, which is already working from something that's really heady. Mm-hmm. But I, it's funny. They have, I feel like they have a similar tone, right? Like they're both kind of gray. They both have this kind of like dystopian feel to them a bit. Um, so I can see Jesse, why you would see them in concert together because they do have similar vibes, even though I feel like obviously the matrix is the superior film. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I think about like Will Smith and like what he's giving in that. And I, and I also kind of sometimes think about I Am Legend. I've never yeah. seen After Earth, so I cannot comment on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like since he was he was originally like supposedly pitched to be Neo, mm-hmm. I'm like, could these tones that he's bringing to these sci-fi stories, which he's he's really giving him his all. I mean, I think Will Smith always gives it his all. I don't think I've seen yeah. a movie where he really phones it in. But um, could these tones be what the Matrix needed? And I'm like, I, I, I can just never see it without Keanu's um, wonderment, but also straight up fear of the Matrix. And I do not, I don't, I don't see Will Smith being able to give something like that. I feel like his would be more stern than anything because that's that tends to be where he where he goes when he goes with the sci-fi. Yeah, I think that. Also for me, I'm a I'm one of the biggest Keanu Reeves fans, and like I've always been. Like even when other folks were like, "Man, he's not a good actor," which was never true. Yeah. Like I I always loved his less is more performance. I think he's like people like to make fun of the whoa scene, the the building jumping scene, but like that that scene is iconic. The moment is iconic, and like that whoa is full of emotion. It's, we like to laugh at it because it's kind of earnest and like childlike, but that's the moment, right? Keanu Reeves was just shown in that moment that he could be Superman, essentially, right? He could jump tall, leap tall buildings in a single bound. And it's like, 
there's a childlike wonder to that. And I think that Keanu Reeves' performances have, of course, only gotten better since he's gone on to do so many other things, including John Wick and so much else. But like, you can see the performances he'll give later, even in this film. Um, and it, and it's really fascinating. And yeah, I don't think anyone else could have done that justice. I think Will Smith is an incredible actor, but I don't, but he wouldn't have given the same performance. There definitely would have been more tongue in cheek to it. There definitely would have been more stern, broad acting to it. And I just don't see that working for the role of Neo. Yeah, I think too many of the fight scenes with Agent Smith would be punctuated by unnecessary one-liners. And I, I'm, I'm not saying... I'm, I, I feel like that can be construed as me just lobbing criticism at Will and the Wachowskis for allowing that. But for some reason, I just feel like th- this is not the venue for Will Smith. Yeah. Um, and like, like it's been said prior, Keanu Reeves' performance in just me watching tons of movies between when I originally saw it and now, I realize what it is. Um, and it is... He, he pulls off that earnest, like I'm trying to understand and process everything that has been thrown at me in a short time. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I like it more now than I ever have before, but I will ask the question, is it still okay for me to, whenever I look at the gif of Keanu going, whoa, I still hear Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Whoa. <laughs> you're never not going to hear that. You're never I mean, not going to hear that. Yeah, that's Keanu Reeves' voice to me hasn't changed much at all since Bill and Ted, so yeah. you'll never yeah. not hear that. Okay, yeah. all right, all right, good. As long as long as I'm okay there, um, I, because I saw that in third grade in the theaters, and I have I will never not associate Keanu Reeves with that. Whoa! Another thing I think you'll only get in the '90s, early 2000s, um, is the the four the four actually like the five main actors of this movie keanu reeves lawrence fishburne carrie ann moss hugo weaving and joe uh joey pants as some people like to call him um they all to me meant like just watching all of them in different things and different films and stuff they all bring a different level of acting school to this film mm-hmm. that should should it just shouldn't work it just shouldn't work these people should all feel really awkward together and they are somehow directed to be there like Lawrence Fishburne's big operatic Shakespearean like the man was Othello right yeah and then, like, and I mean, he was, he's he's doing Othello here. yeah and then you got Hugo Weaving is a small Shakespearean actor type of thing he's doing a very sinister very con- I think until like the third act maybe very conservative villain and then you have Carrie Ann Moss, who feels like the action star, who feels like um, someone who naturally is in these action blockbusters. And then you have Keanu Reeves, who is the slacker, who is the man who's in the high school movies, who mm-hmm. we only know him as the dude that chills out in a lot of ways, right? And then you got Joey Pants, who is the 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 typical Italian uh, guy loves steak <laughs> kind of thing, <laughs> right? And and so you have all these really. These, char- these actors bringing in these these performances that just are d- so vastly different from each other and it's just fascinating that they work so well yeah yeah i mean the, the cast is incredible and of, of course gone on to do other incredible things as well um 
like, I mean, for, for me, Carrie Ann Moss will always be Arya Talok from the Mass Effect franchise, just because I'm a giant Mass Effect nerd and she is so badass in that role. Um, Wait, you're you like Mass Effect? I know, I know. I know. All right, <laughs> I've only all watched right. you stream it several times. All right, calm down. All right, relax. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I just, um, <laughs> but like. I think that what's interesting when talking about this movie is not only just the cast that which you might have only gotten this kind of cast in the 90s like this, like Jesse was saying, but also the soundtrack. So I'm a, I'm a person who music is integral to a movie for me to love it. It's why Same. Scott Pilgrim versus the world is one of my favorite movies of all time, because besides Edgar Wright being one of my favorite directors, it's got one of the best soundtracks in movie history, but like the matrix also it's movie soundtrack was doing what a lot of 90s soundtracks did it was a bunch of rock and roll and and like and some heavy metal and industrial and like just those those heavy sounds but like it it's there's something about the flow of it and the and the iconography also like between rock is dead duhast and like a bunch of wake up of course which like wake up went from being a rage against the machine song that i liked to being being iconic because of this movie like now whenever i hear that opening to that song i think of that final scene in the film where keanu flies away and like it, it it's just astonishing to me when movies can pull this off and like there were movies in that time that like the soundtracks were better than the films themselves um sure. i think of like uh what is it not uh interview with the vampire queen of the dam which i like as a movie i like the mm-hmm. books too but like that soundtrack was ridiculous um and, judgment and like, night is one judgment that, night yeah, yeah jumps out at me end of days also the Schwarzenegger yeah. film like had like limp biscuit and corn and, and disturbed on the soundtrack and like that movie was like c tier at best and so mm-hmm. like but the matrix not only is an incredible film but it has this soundtrack that shows up in the film which is brilliant and then just is awesome on its own like as an existing album outside of the film it has a flow that not all soundtracks have which i think just adds to how incredible this soundtrack is and why it's a great pair to the movie uh shout out to keanu reeves shaving his head multiple times to be (laughs) in that slime pod so many times including the newest movie yes yeah the costuming it's funny you talking about shaving heads like the costuming and outfits i was talking about this a little bit while you stepped away matthew but like okay. this movie is a huge part of my sexual awakening and like like carrie ann moss and that head-to-toe leather outfit is just like oh okay but then even keanu yeah. later in the trench coat with with the, the all-black outfit and all the guns like it's just a stylish film and like it was mostly people wearing all black and walking around being stylish but like everyone looked so cool and like Mm -hmm. i don't know about you but when i was in high school i wanted a long trench coat which i eventually bought because of films like this i was like i want to look cool like these guys look cool spoiler alert i never looked as cool as they did but i wanted yeah like (laughs) i i always got as far as trying it on and just like nope i don't it's not me and like i i wish i could look that cool but cool is not who i am apparently (laughs) um speaking of that speaking of uh just wardrobe and costuming i want to talk about i want to get back to the agents real quick because this time out um and because i've done a little bit of just looking into art history and things like that just as a as a one of my many silly larks i tend to go on i found myself thinking about 
that Belgian painting, I think it's Belgian, um, it's called The Son of Man, where it's the businessman bowler hat trench coat, but an apple over the face. Do Are either of you familiar with that work? Uh, like with the bowler hat, right? Yeah. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about, I was thinking about that when they with like just when just with any scene with the agents because i know they all aren't hugo weaving but they all are definitely designed to look like each other like more more specifically like each other than i think they actually pull off in the film and the i was just struck by and i started making this connection when uh, the first time you see just a normal citizen just turn into an agent. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's what they're going for here. Uh, and it's, I, I feel like it's very much um, a nice little statement on no matter what everybody looks like, you never, you never really know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and like the apple over the face is just in this case for the agents, it is just any citizen. Um, and I was I was bowled over by that to the point where I still really can't articulate it. I've been thinking about it for <laughs> like weeks now. <laughs> um, so so it's and it just adds to the credit of I'm glad I'm glad you suggested this movie because because I'm glad it kind of forced me to get over myself because I, I I'm I really enjoyed doing this. Um, and I'm not saying that as to like close the conversation, but it's just every new thing I think about and every new thing either of you talk about, I'm like, oh yeah, it's really good, isn't it? <laughs> Look, I'm so, as, a, as much an advocate for brain movies that we, I almost said brains that we can turn our movies off with, but sure. Uh, movies that we can turn our brains off with. I mean, the last time I spoke with Jesse on a podcast that was not my own, I inundated him and the incredible Hannah with all of my thoughts about both Venom movies. And uh, those are not brilliant movies, but I love them. Yeah. Uh, and like, and there's room for that. But I also do love movies that make me think and more importantly feel. And like the reason this film has become one of my favorites is because it's just as great when it's exhilarating as it is when it's making you think and it's being more quiet. Um, like all the shots on the Nebuchadnezzar you know, when Neo's being more pensive and he's thinking like the downtime, like all of those moments are just as loud in their quietness, if that makes any sense, uh, as the louder, more high octane scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like the matrix is that perfect blend of my brain hurt and also my heart race. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have, yeah. I also think if you just, if you just, zoom out from and uh look at the whole tapestry of the film i appreciate the sort of paella or bouillabaisse of like cinema history references that are here mm-hmm. um you know like, like i said before this essentially is a take on fritz lang's the uh metropolis from like the 20s but it's also like i feel like the inner workings of said metropolis go deeper here and you get more of an explanation rather than you know the hero of privilege like you get in that movie um i also really like that it's a reference to like old kung fu movies yeah Mm -hmm. 
Like, yep. I mean, I mean, at the time, and this is probably why, you know, 19 or 18 year old, almost 19 year old Matt was just an insufferable douche about it. It was because <laughs> I was watching a lot of those old Shaw brother films at the time. I was trying to, uh, and I'd been immersed in uh, the, the ideas that um, on Lee put forth in uh, what was it? Crouching tiger, hidden dragon. And this is like pre hero showing up in theaters and then house of flying daggers. But it was, I was definitely like thinking along those lines and, and seeing this around that, you know, my, I became one of those um, short-sighted folks on TikTok that says, why do we respect the Rolling Stones? Because all they did was dance like James Brown and play blues. Like, and, you know, they try and point out five or six different reasons why, you know, taking in the world around you and trying to interpret it through your own lens is a problem. Um, and I'm, this movie's really good. And I'm so glad I'm sort of learning the lessons like, Hey, maybe I didn't know everything I thought I did when I first, you know, made my pre 20 year old judgment of the film. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah so. I think that's fair. I mean, also, we change with time and so will oh, sure. movies. There are definitely movies that do not hold up on any level. Like anyone who tells me their favorite movie is still Boondock Saints, I go, ah, Yeah. Ah, that, have you really watched that recently? Because it does not hold up on just about every not. level. But like to the same thing, like there are movies that I appreciate now that I definitely wouldn't have as a kid and didn't as a kid. And like, like I said, I came to this movie when I first watched it on DVD. I just watched it with a bunch of friends in someone's living room and thought, yeah, that was cool. It wasn't until I saw it in IMAX this year. I think that was this year. I don't know. Time is a lake. Um, <laughs> when I saw it in IMAX this year, I was like, oh, no, this is a perfect film. And this is incredible. And my mind is blown. And I think mm -hmm. we take our experiences into every movie we watch. And so if your experiences are changing, so will your taste in movies over time. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to ask you guys, there's that, uh, this is going to date this podcast, but whatever. There's that, <laughs> uh, there's that Twitter meme going around of there a 10, but blank. Yeah. Do, you, do you guys have an, uh, have, if you, you find someone attractive and they tell you a movie opinion, you go, got to rethink the situation. <laughs> uh, anyone who still says their favorite movie is fight club. Ooh, uh, yeah, that's which one. like and don't that's get me wrong, a real I, good one i like chuck palinick and like i love i think that choke is actually a better movie than than fight club for a, a bunch of different reasons but like i just that movie has not aged particularly well i feel personally um i mean the big oh, one you, is you are 100 correct on this one i i agree with you 100 <laughs> but the big one will be and i'll take a dig at my favorite movie if someone tells me, man, I love Scott Pilgrim. Scott's awesome. He's my favorite character. I immediately go, ah, you know, Scott's the bad guy, right? He's not the yeah. hero. Yeah. He's no. like, he sucks the whole movie. He kind of yeah. doesn't suck by the end. Like your favorite character. I mean, they're all kind of assholes except for Knives. They all kind of suck is yeah. the reality of it. Knives but, um, Chow deserved way better in that movie. Yes, absolutely. Uh, she is amazing. But like, so that would probably be the my big one. Like there, she's a 10, but she also says she loves Scott and Scott's her favorite character would be like, <laughs> that would be my my big movie red flag. So but how about you, Matthew? 
so mine is my, mine is experiential uh just because when i was i don't know if you know this about me matt i know i've said it several times on the show i'm divorced and dating after divorced uh is a special kind of terrible <laughs> <laughs> um and uh I'm, I'm so thankful i have my wife now because she's awesome and she's made me a better person and and it's it, i could not be more lucky but like she's a 10 she's a 10 and even further she says she likes every kind of music and then names three artists that are exactly the same like that's mine mm. oh that's a good one i like that like i mean not knocking the artist i'm about to i'm about to name but like i there were multiple dates where I'd be like oh they're like oh you like music oh I, I love music i have such an eclectic taste my favorite artists are john mayer jason mraz and jack johnson i'm like and she's like, yeah, I'm pretty eclectic. I'm like, I don't think you are. <laughs> I don't think you know what that word means. <laughs> and, 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 and I, and I, I tried not to be the judgy person in that moment because that's, that's not helpful, but it was a huge red flag. I'm like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> eventually, eventually, I, eventually I would realize that mm, I was good. I was, I was right to move on. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think mine would have to be there at 10, but they talk way too much about Woody Allen. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. like, Boy, I'm glad you didn't know me 20 years ago, Jesse. I'm, <laughs> I'm very just saying, glad. <laughs> there, there is a fine amount you can talk about that man in his movies, but there is that that line is so thin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, and if you and if you haven't started with the bad stuff, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I, I think it's best to move on to what we've been watching, uh, Matt. Since you're a guest, what have been some things you've watched recently that you want to talk about? Are we talking just movies or any movies media? and TV? Uh, we movies usually mix TV. it up. So I did at like moments before we got on the call. I watched uh, episode six and completed the season of Obi Wan. Um, Here's a little fact about me, if you don't follow me on the internet. Uh, I love Star Wars. I love all of Star Wars. The bad stuff, give it to me. The good stuff, give it to me. The mediocre stuff, I want it. Give it to me all. When everyone was bitching about Book of Boba Fett, I ate it up. My favorite character since I was five years old. I don't care if he's teaching a young Tusken Raider how to fight. I love it. Give me. Um, and so, of course, I loved Obi-Wan. Uh, I, I think I actually think it did some incredible stuff with the character and the canon, but I also will not talk about it anywhere. So if you listen to this episode and like, oh, I want to message Matt to talk about Star Wars, please don't, because no offense to you, but you're likely if you're on the Internet talking about Star Wars, your opinions on it stink or we won't agree <laughs> or you'll be an asshole. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is what I've learned over the last few years. Um, I'm, of course, getting like. I, you know, I, I love to talk to people, but Star Wars is one of the things that I'm just like, I love it and I don't want to talk about it. Um, what else have I watched? We've been watching Miss Marvel uh, the last few weeks, which I really am enjoying as well. Uh, my spouse and I have gone on journeys lately of picking a show that they have seen already that I have not. And then we watch it through together. We had done it with the West wing last year because I'd never seen the West wing. We watched the voting special at the end of last year. And I went, Oh, I guess the show is good. Huh? And so my spouse was like, yes, we're going to watch it. And we watched the whole thing <laughs> and I loved it. And if you nice. haven't watched the West wing, you should. And so yes. now currently to stop rambling, we, um, we are watching the show castle. I am a Nathan Fillion fan. 
um, because who isn't? And uh, I'd never seen Castle and it was never on streaming until recently. And it's on Hulu. And so we were watching it. We're currently in the fourth season. And it's like, it's predictable and it's formulaic, but like the leads are charming. The main cast is charming. And it's just, I like, I like dramedies that are like uh, mysteries or crime crime shows like I, I I enjoy those kinds of shows and so those are the big big things we've been watching and then did I watch any movies recently you'd think since I have a podcast about watching movies and TV I'd be better about remembering what I've watched lately and yet um, I don't think I've watched any movies lately uh, other than everything everywhere all at once which I've watched several times because I'm obsessed with it how about you Matthew uh so I mean I'm not really watched I'm not really watched anything new like Re- uh, Reba is still continuing down the Letter Kenny journey, and nice. uh, and I'm just happy I'm I'm watching I've only watched um, like I think I've watched every season available except for like the last one, uh, but Reba said she wanted to start it with me I'm like okay so we started at the beginning and we've gotten through season I think we're in season four now. Um, and, and she's still on board and I'm still enjoying my very quick revisit, but also I'm just, I'm just reading a lot of Berserk and uh, bothering frequent guest and host of the pod hand, Maddie Lewis, about every new thing I experienced in this journey. Um, I've not read a ton of books like I read a lot in high school and junior high, but I've not really read a ton of books since then. And my my knowledge of the classics is very slim. Uh, Berserk, I think, should be talked about in literature classes because holy hell, the layers of this story. Um, if you've not read it, I I highly suggest you do so. It is it it goes a lot of places. It goes there hard. And it goes there with 100% commitment. And I am still repeatedly shocked by how gratifying this read is. And I, maybe gratifying is not the word, but uh, because I feel like that's, I feel like that's more saying what I wanted to happen is the right thing. I just, I'm more full I mean, satisfied is probably another way to say that, but it's, there's there's something it's there's something different than that, and it is it is one of those things that when you watch um, when you watch sort of like a a perfect story unfold, you might have your ideas, but you are when you see it happen, you are perfectly I'm perfectly in sync with how this is unfolded, and I'm very happy that it's not been what I thought it was going to be ever, and uh, and it it's it makes me so happy, even the saddest parts of it. Uh, Rarely have I cried at reading a book. And I've done several times, both early on in the run and through the conviction arc where I'm at. Uh, It is, it is just a a wild ride. One day. I'm excited. I'm excited to finish it and pick up another manga because like, I've only flirted with reading mangas and, and now I'm now, now I, I think Jesse, you're just gonna have to start throwing stuff my way. I feel like after Berserk, you have to read a sports manga, just to completely the opposite direction. Not, not saying it's less compelling, but I think a sports manga could be uh, very fun for you. Okay. Um, I did. What about have, you? Yeah. I didn't have any time to watch anything this week, which led to me not being able to rewatch the matrix, but that did not mean I did not have time to watch stuff. 
between episodes. Um, I've also been watching a lot of Star Wars. You can read in my small opinions on Letterboxd if you really care. Um, I have now experienced both Top Gun movies. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I need you to lay this. I need you to lay this on me now. I think Top Gun One is a bad movie when it comes to plot. Okay. But it's a great movie when it comes to vibes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, All right. I was watching it with a friend, and we were like halfway through. We're like, I don't know what's going on, but it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about um, right. But Top Gun Maverick is one of those legacy sequels that like understood the mission it's like okay but what if the vibes had a good plot (laughs) like yeah the third act's a little funky but it works it works really well for what it's going for um and it just like the like you've seen the original top gun i hope matthew yes i have they recreate that entire opening sequence but with like even more realistic plane landings (laughs) cool like like they they get it they get exactly what they're going for there um I also watched uh, Matt's friend's movie, Night of the Coconut by Patrick H. Oh, Holmes. I have, I have, I have watched that as well. Yes. My bestest friend in the world, Patrick. No, I, <laughs> I adore Patrick. Um, yeah. It, that movie is dumb in the best way. And it's I've, very told, I've told Patrick that to his face. Uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but I've, I, today I recorded an interview with Patrick for my interview podcast, CPOV autographs. And that's going to be out very soon. And like, I told him to his face that that movie was so dumb and I loved it. (laughs) Matthew, the best way to summarize this movie is it's all about a group of video essay creators trying to get a coconut canceled. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, oh no. shit <laughs> oh my god that's honestly like the best summary i can think of it um it's pretty good do i need to finish editing a couple of podcasts tonight or do i need to watch the night of the coconut? oh you can, you can hold off a bit because you have to watch a recap to get caught up it's all yeah. okay yeah um i also for the i rewatched, but since it's been so long since i've seen it i didn't remember anything i just said i watched it for the first time the original star trek movie um oh wow Motion picture. What a wild time, huh? I've been, dude. I've been in a sci-fi pit for a long day, a long time now. <laughs> oh no, I, I follow you on Twitter. You have replaced Batman with sci-fi. <laughs> you see, replaced as they are going side by side. Um, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Star Trek motion picture kind of rocks. The costumes yep. kind of suck. Um, the 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 main new dude i don't care for but the ideas that it's doing and the way that the sets are built and the special effects are done and everything is great paramount plus the app that i watch it on sucks because it didn't promote its exclusive director's cut that had like more footage and better special effects that i was hoping that they had i'm like and after i finished the movie it's like oh wait it is here they just didn't show it to me (laughs) so that's fun um, that's how they get you to watch it again I, I probably will i'll probably give it a minute though because it is a long slow movie so like i need a break from it yeah last thing uh i'm not gonna talk about any of the tv shows i'm watching even though i am watching the sopranos now um nice. i also watched another tom cruise movie that i've never seen before and that is risky business um oh damn wow that mo- now okay i do understand that there's probably things in this movie that don't hold up like the way uh characters talk to each other oh sure but i think as a full fun movie movie holds up really well (laughs) like it's still a lot of fun it's a very tight movie i was like i know the premise of this movie but we haven't got to it and there's only 30 minutes left and they get to it (laughs) they get to it right after that mark um 
it's just it's a fun time it's very much what if ferris bueller was even worse in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah which is fun that's a really fun idea to go with um i think i'm gonna it's like, just... it's like it's like ferris bueller but with zach morris really turned up yeah yeah very much like that um especially like the dream sequences and stuff so i think i think watching that in top gun i might end up watching the rest of the early cruise stuff that i haven't seen and just kind of clean up that era of tom cruise um I made this joke to a few people, including our mutual friend, Caroline, but I, I really truly think Tom Cruise is the only person Scientology's ever worked for because <laughs> I, I just like every movie I see him in. Again, yeah. I have not seen the mummy. So there, that's like the one really bad one that everybody talks about that I've not seen, but I like I Valkyrie. For, I Even. forgot about the mummy. You said the mummy and I went, Oh yeah. That the movie with all the hot people from like, the 2000s yeah no, you mean the other mummy that was yeah. bad but like yeah. wait, Valkyrie... wait, wait, wait wait there's a tom cruise mummy oh yeah, yeah with... they reboot they were doing the monster verse there was a dracula movie and a frankenstein movie too yeah and you had, and you had russell crowe has, has playing... just eliminated all of this <laughs> yeah russell crowe playing dr jekyll and mr hyde and all that yes yeah, it, was, it was something oh, wait, um, i thought that was just russell crowe <laughs> yeah it was the thing that happened uh note to self we'll never get russell crowe on this podcast now um i was hoping for i was hoping when we get to nice guys we would have special guests russell crowe um i mean you can you can fire me and get russell crowe and then rehire me after you happen (laughs) probably should edit that part out if you really if you're really serious no i'm kidding uh but yeah that's all i've been watching so i did get some movies in also watch solo for the first time movie's okay (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. I, people were way bent out of shape about it. I thought, well, what's his name who plays the lead did a great job. I so. think all of the actors in that movie are fun. I oh my think, god! I think, uh, and I and I think all the all the actors in that movie are are very attractive, including you, Woody Harrelson. Um, yes, the but, whole the whole lot of them. But there's a lot of like, hey, look at this, that yeah. got really grating after a while. Um, yeah, and I still. I yeah, I was just going to say also you were talking about Star Trek earlier and I should mention that I've been watching Strange New Worlds, uh, this, the, the new Star Trek series with Captain Pike played by Anson Mount, a man who's too hot, just too hot. Um, yeah, he is. Um, and that show is the best, old, the best new old Star Trek I've ever seen. Like it, it is, it is, it is simultaneously sexier and more diverse than the original series while still playing up to the tropes and homages of the original series. And I, I think it's a perfect show. Like, and I love Discovery, but I think this might be my favorite Star Trek thing I've ever seen. So, Matt, have you watched Hell on Wheels? I've not watched Hell on Wheels. Do you like Westerns? Yes. It's Anson Mount as a dirty Western man. Oh, you Uh, got me. With long hair. You had me at Anson Mount as a dirty. Um, (laughs) And he he fights a man named the Swede who's been in a bunch of stuff. If you see that actor, it's very fun. This first three seasons are very fun. I don't know about the last one because I got burnt out a bit on the the drabness of it all, but Mm -hmm. it's it's a good time. AMC. It's an AMC show no one talked about. All right. I'll I'll, I'll look into it. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, Since it's before we, before we, I'm assuming we're heading to the wrap up. Yeah. Um, You should watch Legend. I'm, I, I, I plan on it because I hear that movie is kind of one of those movies that just didn't hit because no one kind of got it at the time. And I think that it's going to be right up my alley when I get to it. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a time. It's a time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Matt, where can people find you on the Internet? 
so many places. Some might say too many places. Uh, no, I best, say not enough. Uh, you're a sweetheart. <laughs> um, so the best place to find me is actually on Twitter at DJ underscore Stormageddon. But lucky for you, that is also my handle on Twitch, Instagram, and uh, what was the other one? TikTok. Uh, so you can just you Google DJ on at DJ underscore storm again, you'll find all that. Um, you can find everything that I work on at DJ It has all four podcasts that I host, the several podcasts that I edit, my Kofi, my, um, my merch store. Hey, it's still pride month. And I'm a non-binary pansexual disaster who would love to have your money. So you should go to my merch store and buy all my stuff because it goes directly to me instead of some corporation that you'll probably buy a rainbow something from. So just throwing that out there, um, just working in that last minute Pride Month pitch. Uh, and yeah, I, I host a lot of podcasts. I'm not going to go into details about any of them right now because there's just too many. Um, the one you might enjoy most is Screen Snark, which is a, a podcast I host with Rachel Quirky Shank. And we have a guest every episode and talk about the most recent things we've watched. Uh, it has been long on my plan to have the two of y'all on at some point. So we will make that happen. Um, but that might be the most uh, adjacent pod to this. But I do a bunch of other stuff. Go to DJ djstormageddon.com, like I can speak for a living, and go check out all the stuff that I do. And Matthew, where can people find you on the internet? I don't talk words well. Um, <laughs> you, know, you can find me. You can find me at infinite underscore rewind on Twitter. Um, that's also my Instagram handle. Uh, I also host uh, several other pods. One with uh, Jesse's and my mutual friend Caroline, where we talk about music and we make eight song playlists to bring us and hopefully you to from a negative mood to a positive one we just recently recorded the beastie boys that'll be up soon and then after that we are doing run dmc which uh two favorites of mine so uh caroline is gonna have to deal with me nerding the hell out uh also i host a podcast where three or three other friends and i talk about video games we're playing we try to cover news but it's mostly just kept casual and in and in good fun and lastly but not leastly the folks at scanline media have invited me to be a part of the bald gun guy podcast which is a podcast that is replaying every episode every map of the modern hitman trilogy we are in the middle of hitman 2 about to do whittleton creek that'll be my third episode on the pod uh, i uh, I came in the middle, but I was a fan from the outset. So very lucky they've allowed me to just nerd out about a franchise I really, really love. And you can find me everywhere on the internet at Sleeper of the Bed. Um, I have started a newsletter. That's my pinned. You can learn about that. It's about comics, but probably other stuff. We'll see. Um, you can find this show on the internet at Free Reeling It. You can email us anything you want to email us at freewheelinga at gmail.com Matthew who does our theme song uh, my buddy Jason uh, he goes by Deadeye that's D-E-A-D dash I all caps when you spell the man's name it is uh, off his album he released last year called World Painted Blood or no I think that's it crap I forgot the name of his album again I'm going to look real quick just because I feel bad if I keep getting this wrong uh, I, sorry jesse for giving you editing work it's okay you think i really edit this show i just leave all the dead air in. 
I mean, I approve. I mean, I, I respect that nonetheless, because if you if you if you, you want to show your best, you should show your blemishes as well. It is called Bloodshed Kingdom. Came out last year. Um, he was also part of a duo prior called the Hope Street Steppers that released a, one of the best reggae albums I've ever heard in 2013. It is called Black Lightning. Check out both. They're on Spotify. They are on Bandcamp and they are up for purchase. Uh, throw my boy some money because he does good work, I think. And I, I know he's already working on new materials, so it'll be worthwhile to follow because he's very talented. He won't say it, but I sure as heck will. Um, yeah, guys, this is a fun Matrix episode. And to end the episode, I want to say, uh, in my head canon, the Matrix is in the same universe as Gravity Falls. That's everything. <laughs> <laughs>